Welcome to Monday, everybody. How's your bracket doing? You got a company office bracket? You out there for bragging rights? Maybe you got a prize on the line? Look out, Freight Waves. Your boy is number seven right here. I know what that says about the rest of you, because I don't know anything about college basketball. I picked Alabama to win because they're good at, like, football. I don't know. I don't really know. <laughs> I don't follow them. But I was following Um, I really got into, like, the Furman and the Fair Dick stories. And I love Fair Dick. Did this team, they did not have a band. So, like, the University of Dayton band was playing for them. And I don't know if you saw it, but, like, their PR communications director, they don't have an official one. They just have, like, a junior at the school filling it in. Unfortunately, Cinderella came to an end for them. But it is what it is. No, who didn't lose their tournament, though? I challenged my kids to get good grades on their report card. They're in uh, kindergarten and second grade. You know, we're big Lego nerds over here at the Dooner household. They did. Got them this ATTE right here, 1,116 pieces. And I remember we first started building these things with, like, the Death Star back at the start of the pandemic when my kid was, like, five. And um, it took him a while then, but now it's not as fun to build the Legos because, look at this, he just completed himself. He did this in, like, six hours. He just crammed through those 1,000 pieces. Awesome stuff. Those ATTs, too. Good build. A lot better than some of the other ones where, like, the pieces fall off if you touch them at all. Very, very solid. All right, we got a great show coming up today. Uh, we've got Optimus Prime is here. we got a gentleman who built a replica, the first and only replica of the Age of Extinction Optimus Prime truck. And he's taking it to schools. He's taking it to sick kids. He's putting smiles on people's faces, and he's embodying that true Autobot spirit. He says Optimus has personally touched countless families who have faced hardships in life, those who needed some encouragement, and those who just love anything related to the Transformers franchise. I know I do. Right before I came on air, I had a Lions classic Transformers theme from the 1985 movie. R.I.P. Optimus Prime in that one. We've also got Bloomberg's Lee Klaskow. He's going to join the show. He's going to talk about SVB, money, freight, that kind of stuff, what kind of snacks they got over at Bloomberg. We got the team from Spartan 5S Services. We're going to put them through the ringer. They're going to do some trivia. We're going to talk philosophy. We're going to talk about company growth, all that kind of stuff. And we got Craig Lineauer, Inland Marines from Travelers. We're going to talk about freight fires, claims, inflation losses, and uh, most, most popular insurance claims. We've got a whole bunch. Let's tip the band. We'll get started. Supply chain challenges are not always easy, but the commitment from the team at Dunavant Logistics to take on that responsibility is unwavering. Dunavant, logistically speaking, they're at the center of it all. Visit them at Dunavant.com. All right, let's see what Optimus is here is all about. Let's take a look at this video. Introducing the world's first replica of Optimus Prime from Transformers Age of Extinction. This truck was built thanks to the perseverance of an ordinary dad who took that ultimate leap of faith, building a full-scale replica of this magnificent truck with legal permission from Hasbro. In an effort to inspire his son and show him what it means to tackle any challenge in life, no matter how difficult the road ahead may seem. This replica truck has traveled across North America and Canada, raising tens of thousands of dollars for local charities, while also leading a campaign against bullying. Their story has made worldwide headlines, and their ongoing mission to make a difference continues going viral across social media. And now you found the exclusive YouTube channel for this incredible big rig, where we document the journeys, the milestones, the tributes and tribulations of the Fiducia family and their replica. So please subscribe to our channel and join the ever-growing force that we call Team Prime. Right now, everybody, Optimus is here. Here's the ordinary dad and owner of that truck. Thanks for coming on the show. 
I appreciate it, Junior. It's really, it's really weird to see me doing that. It that probably goes back uh, three or four years that video. So I, it reminds me that I need to update it, but it's still a good overview of what we do. You know, it was I was watching because I can see you like well the videos are playing and I could see the smile on your face as as you kind of watched that. Were you getting nostalgic looking back to that four years ago when you started this? Yes, because so much has changed, you know, how we started this and where we are today. There's been a lot of things that we've done that I did not intend to do at the time I made that. So it's really cool to see the progression that we've made over the years. So you said that you're an ordinary dad. You're not like a custom shop owner. You're not a truck driver. You're just how did you why Optimus and how did you accomplish this? Well, number one, Optimus is a really badass looking truck, right? Yeah. So, you know, we're going to start there right off the bat. But number two, um, you know, he's he's got a, a lot of morals, a lot of ethics. He's a great leader. He's very strong, courageous, and it just resonates with me personally. And number three, um, you know, Optimus was kind of an impossible dream for me. I was not a mechanic. I was uh, never drove a truck in my life. I got my CDL Class A specifically to drive Optimus Prime. Um, we obtained legal permission to do it. We had a lot of people help us do it. And, uh, so far, I'm the only fan in the world to do it. There's only two others like it, which are the screen use trucks. So uh, this whole thing was really done to motivate my son, despite the lack of experience that I had, showing him that, you know what, you can do anything you want to do in life if you have the will and courage to, and uh, a little bit of uh, uh, craziness to try. Wow, a little, a little cowbell for that. Now let's get into some details here. First, why Age of Extinction era Optimus Prime? Now this can be like a hot button topic. I was talking to the production guys earlier. They're 90s kids, so they're really into like Optimus Primal. They're into Beast Wars era. I'm an 80s kid. I'm a G1 Optimus. Cab over, dude. You got the Age of Extinction model. Why that particular one? You know, I found that there are a lot of folks in this fandom who would much prefer to see the cab over, the Peterbilt version, right? We chose Age of Extinction for a couple of reasons. Number one, coming in with zero trucking experience, I didn't feel comfortable necessarily getting a much older truck because honestly, at the time, I had no clue how to maintain or even use it, right? So um, in, in my head, getting a brand new truck would be a little bit easier on the beginning there to kind of maintain. I was a bit wrong on that, but that's okay. I've learned. Um, so with, with the Age of Extinction Model 2, uh, no one has replicated this version. Nobody. There are folks out there that have kind of gotten similar paint jobs or vinyl wraps, but to go to the extent that we have, nobody. So uh, that was kind of the big leap of faith for me. That was my way of kind of showing my son, all right, we're going to try something, something I've never done before, something I don't even know how to start, really. And I'm going to show you that you can do anything you put your mind to, even if no one else in the world has guidance to help you through it so i think that was probably the biggest motivating factor not to mention i mean come on he's a cool looking truck so we oh, yeah. really uh we really inherited it now you mentioned your son a couple times and now I, i'm curious was there like an incident in your son's life that prompted this or you're like you know what he's just growing up and i need a good lesson so he was eight at the time that we decided to do this, and it was uh, it was done, you know, for a couple reasons. Doing, you know, one of them was in my life. I was a software applications trainer, totally different industry than what I do now, and I kind of reached that plateau, wasn't really feeling the vibes anymore, and I wanted to try. I wanted to try something different. And then you combine that with my son. So my son was uh, going to school at the time, of course, and, and he was dealing with some bullies, and uh, uh, the bullies were, you know, giving him a hard time to the point that it affected him at home. Now, I know how that feels, and I know what it's like to be bullied, and I know how it can have an impact on the way you live your life. So here I am kind of at this crossroads in my life saying, all right, well, what can I do to inspire him while at the same time try to find some more happiness in my own life? 
And uh, when this came on screen and I saw that, I was like, wow, we have to do this because not only is it a challenge for me, but it's also a way to show him that, hey, listen, dude, it doesn't matter what these bullies try to do to you or try to say to you to stop you. You can still do it. And I'm going to show you. And this was kind of the motivation for it. So really, no, uh, no particular incident happened. It was just more of a culmination of everything at the time. Wow, you're even bringing the other franchises out there. They're not even in the uh, Disney universe. Like, you're just, I mean, the, the Stormtroopers, the Transformers aren't in the Disney universe. They're in the Hasbro universe, and you got you got Stormtroopers and everything over there. So what, what model truck is that, and how much work went into this? That looks really custom. As you mentioned, it's not just a wrap. You did, you did it to the hood. You got extra piping in the back. You got different lights on there. Yeah, yeah. We uh, So this is a Western Star. It's a 2017 Western Star. It was actually specced out with the dealership on paper and built from the factory to become what it is. Um, so we picked it up from the dealership in uh, early 2016. It took us the majority of that year and about 25 people total to do all the modifications between the paint, the fabricating, the chrome work, the CNC work. It was a lot of different walks of life came together for this. Um, and it's got a lot of cool features that we've added along the ways, too. You know, we... Uh, we make it talk in Optimus Prime's voice as he's talking. He'll shoot CO2 out of all these different locations. Um, we've got actuators on the truck that actually open and move certain panels. So it brings the illusion of Optimus to life for the kids, while at the same time maintaining that street-legal, safe-to-drive Western Star that it started out with. Can you make him talk? At the moment, he's resting in stasis, I like to say. <laughs> gotcha. But uh, anytime, we, anytime we do these events or go out to shows and schools, we always do make them talk. It's quite a cool sight. The kids love it. And the adults, too. They, come, they, they become kids again. Well, speaking of kids, I, I got a clip from your visit to a school. Let's take a quick look at this. Sure. Oh, they got it. They just got to cue it up in the back. Transform and I have visited over 150 elementary and intermediate schools across North America. We've spoken to over 34,000 school students, encouraging all of these kids to rise up against bullies alongside Team Prime. Have you ever wondered what the kids have to say after we've left the school grounds? Yeah, I do too. And today, we finally have those answers. Yeah, that's always been a big question of mine. What do these students have to say after we've left the school? Did they like it? Did they not? Did they learn something? Are they motivated to do better? Like, what is it that they're saying? I never get a chance to find out because usually I never really speak with them after we're gone. But today, I've got this whole packet of things that the kids wrote for us uh, thanks to a visit that we had in North Carolina at the end of last year in partnership with Microsoft. So I'm going to read these responses to you today and uh, kind of share with you what the kids had to say. Let's get started. This first one here comes from Bryce. Bryce said, thank you, thank you, thank you for bringing Optimus Prime, teaching us that bullies will never go away, but you have to stand up for yourself. I love it. And your message, your message is resonating just as you want it. Is, is that the best part of this? Just getting that response to kids every time you visit one of these schools? Honestly, it's a very rewarding experience in many ways, that being one of them. I feel like Optimus, just the type of character that he is, it, the kids really resonate with that. So when we do these presentations that you just referred to, you got to picture the scenario. The kids are actually brought outside for an assembly, but they're not told why. They're just told to come out for an assembly. And we'll usually coordinate with the police and fire departments to give us a lights and sirens entrance. So they see them and then they see us and they just go crazy right off the bat, right? So I've got their attention with Optimus Prime and then I'll speak 
speak to them for about 30 minutes about bullying and rising up to bullies with Optimus and Team Prime. Would you like to join us in this mission? And of course they say yes. And at the end of it, Bumblebee comes in. So it's it's an awesome spectacle that uh, really just makes you feel so heartwarmed. But at the same time, we do so much more with it. There's uh, We just went down to Virginia a couple days ago to uh, visit a family and young boy who uh, was diagnosed with a really aggressive form of cancer. And he was a huge Transformers fan. So we actually gave him some VIP treatment. So all of that stuff that we do, Donner, is, uh, it's, it's probably one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done in my lifetime, to be honest. Well, now, now before I let you go, I have, a, I have just a couple quick questions for you. One is, what is the best Transformers movie? Oh, you got to put me on the spot on that one. Well, <laughs> I I just appreciate the fact that the Transformers franchise is still out and about. When you k- take into account what this came out in the early '80s, right? So we're what forty years later plus. I'm just glad to see it out there, and I'm glad to see these new movies keep coming out. Yeah, some are better than others, but I'll still watch it for the entertainment value, regardless. All right. Well, the answer is the 1985 Transformers cartoon movie, followed by Bum- I really liked Bumblebee, I, and, and I like that first of Transformers course. movie too. The first uh, Michael Bay one. <laughs> You really nailed that one. Yes. 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 When they arrived to Earth for the first time. And of course, yeah, you got the 86 movie, the cartoon where Optimus dies and everybody started freaking out. So, yeah, that, that, that is definitely a high one for me. All right. Well, best model of Optimus Prime. Now, I realize Age of Extinction is behind you, so you, you can't really say anything different. Is that your pick? I personally prefer Age of Extinction, but here's what I tell people all the time because yeah. there's a lot of varying opinions on that. Optimus is Optimus. It doesn't matter what visual form he has. He's a transformer. He could be anything he wants to be. So for me, it's more the character within what you see visually. That means the most to me. So it's Optimus Prime no matter what version. I think they're all pretty cool. Okay, now I have an idea for you because my favorite model of, of Optimus is the evil one, Nemesis Prime. This one right here, I don't think anyone's done the black cab over yet. So here's my idea. You can have that one show up at the school first and it can like try to start bullying the kids. Then Optimus shows up and he saves the day and he chases Nemesis off the premises. That's an idea. I'm waiting for you to get started on that build so we can team up on that. How about that? Well, in the meantime, anybody who wants you to come to their school or they want to see the truck or they want to take pictures with it or they just want to talk to you, Joe, where do I send them to? Optimistishere.com, where you'll find us anywhere on social media. Just type in the words Optimist is here. We've got a pretty big following that we continue to grow, and we open or we are open to the opportunity of going anywhere in the country to uh, spread our message to uh, people who really need to hear it. Very, very cool. And uh, the only guest from the Optimus franchise I'd rather have than you is Peter Cullen, but we'll take you. You've done an awesome job, and I imagine Peter's voice comes out of that truck anyway. That's, that's the only prime. <laughs> you know, there could be all these differences of opinions on which, you know, which one we prefer to watch, but Peter Cullen is Optimus Prime. There's no denying that whatsoever. Well, hey, God bless you, your son, Optimus, and the mission that you're on. Transform and roll out and take care, brother. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you very much, guys. Take care. All right. Let's see. Meanwhile. So it's Mersk. 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 Yeah, it's 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 Mersk, but like you have to do this sort of like uh, like fish person thing at it. You got to go like Mersk, Mersk. No, I don't roll the tongue. It's more like a Mersk, Mersk. There's just like a, a accent you have to do after the M on there. If you don't get it, they'll call you out. I have been before. Anyways, it's Craig Lineauer. He's the Inland Marine Corporate Claims Manager over at Travelers. What is up, Craig? Hey, Mersk. 
Yeah, I speak a little German. I speak a little German. German, although I suspect that I suspect that's Dane, Danish, right? I don't know. You got it. You got to nail the <laughs> accent. You got it, though. You got to nail that little nice. accent in the AE. It's not like a pure. Yeah. Yes, I love it, man. Right. Well, hey, how, how you right. been? How how are things over at Travelers? How's this Monday treating you? It's pretty good. It's the first day of spring, so I got no complaints, right? And Travelers is doing great, so there's no complaints there either. You know, just uh, sun's out, and that's uh, that's something for Chicago, man. So. You know, we, when, you, when we had travelers on last time, we were talking about temperature-controlled shipments, right? Things like seafood, pharmaceuticals, cosmetics, shipments that need to be loaded safely. A big one was lithium-ion batteries, and this was like a couple weeks ago, so I imagine these are still problems, correct? Oh, yeah. Listen, lithium-ion batteries, it's a super big exposure right now. Um, and what happens is those things, as I mentioned, those things can they, they short-circuit, they burst into flames, and when they do, they, they cause a fire. And that fire can can only be put out with foam, right? So it, and it, many times it also reignites. So uh, this is really, and, and these are everywhere. They're really ubiquitous. You know, these these lithium ion batteries are in laptops and cell phones and and EV batteries. Uh, you know, on Teslas. Uh, but but under the right conditions, they really are a you know, catastrophic risk. Wow. Well, yeah, it's big, big fires. They cause big, big problems. Nothing to be taken lightly. The other thing we were talking about was uh, was bulk shipments in tanks. What is going on there? Right. So we were talking about commodities like salt and grain, and that this creates a unique sort of risk for a, for a carrier, because if they're contaminated during transit and then deposited into, let's say, a silo, then you can become liable for what's in the silo as well. And, and that's problematic because your cargo insurance only covers what you actually carry and deliver. And so it creates an exposure for you that may not be covered by insurance. So that's kind of a unique risk as well. So today we're talking about that. We're getting into claims. What what claims are you and your team seeing? What's trending? What's a, I guess popular is a weird word to use, but what's what's the popular <laughs> claim? Yeah, popular in my world is collision and breakage. Of course, that's that's what we see the most of. And collision, of course, are losses where the truck hits something on the highway or you know, rolls over. Uh, your your most you know the typical claim is where a, where a, where as a, a bridge strike right where the truck you know a loaded trailer hits an overpass and then the cargo is damaged. Um, and that's what we see the most of, followed closely by breakage. Breakage, of course, are claims uh, you know for cargo damage where there's not collision, but the cargo is damaged because of a load shift in transit. Okay, um, so that's what we see the most of. But I tell you what, uh, the largest year-over-year year increase that we've seen, and it's about 30% uh, since prior year, are spoilage claims, and these, of course, are uh, claims involving perishable cargo. So. Think about things like uh, bananas that have to be refrigerated. And, and I think I've spoken before about, uh, you know, reefer shipments and bananas specifically, how they have to be ship, shipped at a sweet spot of between 56 and 60 degrees. And if it's, if it's uh, you know, one degree over uh, 60 degrees, um, then the bananas are too ripe and they give off gas. And if it's one degree under, uh, then they get spotty and the taste is compromised. Either way, uh, they're rejected. So that's where we've seen our, our greatest increases in spoilage. So I don't know if this is the the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon where you hear something and you start seeing it everywhere, like the Norfolk Southern crash. Then every then like it seemed like uh, you know online. Uh, I don't know if it's the algorithm. I don't know if people are just sharing more crash, but you start seeing more and more. Is that just perception? Is more breakage happening? Is more spoilage happening? And if so, what's causing that? Yeah, no, it's it's a great observation, and um, I think a lot of it. There's a few things going on, right? Um, first of all, a lot can go wrong with these with these spoilage shipments, uh, these um, this this damage from spoilage, and a lot of it is because of inattention, I think. And there's a few things that are going on, right? The first is lack of awareness. 
you really need to know what you're hauling as the driver. You should confirm uh, if there is a temperature requirement with the actual shipper. Don't necessarily rely on the freight broker uh, who gave you the shipment to provide this to you because it can be wrong. Also, we're seeing a lot of inaccurate paperwork and you really need to double check the, you know, your shipping documents. Ask questions to make sure that the paperwork reflects what you're actually picking up. Um, and ask, you ask yourself, does the cargo require you to pre-cool your trailer? What does the paperwork say? And then lastly, I think um, what we're seeing a lot of is, is you know, equipment or loading issues. And you know, if it's po if possible to do this, look inside the reefer trailer. Because remember, the, the reefer has to function properly. And the way it functions properly is the cool air flows down over the top of the palletized freight and around the sides. And then it's drawn back underneath the freight through channels in the floor of the trailer. And if those uh, channels are blocked in any way or if they're dirty, it's going to block the free flow of the air and that's going to cause a temperature increase. And so um, and, and your goods are going to be rejected at delivery. So but listen, I should mention that not only are we seeing the greatest increase in spoilage, spoilage losses year over year, but these have also really greatly increased in exposure, too. Whoa. Okay. All right. Uh, not not good. So to follow up with you there, then um, we were talking about invoice value, right? I was talking about that with Elizabeth, and she had mentioned that due to that, the the um, understanding your limits comes into effect. Understanding your coverage in line with inflation. What do you have to be mindful there when covering your goods? Yeah, inflation is real right now, and you have to recognize that your cargo policy limits from five years ago probably aren't going to cover a loss today. So refrigerated losses for sure have increased in exposure. And that load of bananas is probably worth more today than the last time you hauled it. So you need to double check your insurance limits and ask for the value of the cargo that you're picking up. Interesting. Any other claims trending? Anything else that people should be mindful for before uh, I let you go? Yeah, you know, listen, theft is a biggie, and uh, and we're seeing more and more instances of thieves using tech technology uh, to get information on legitimate carriers and then pose as those legitimate carriers to steal freight. And, you know, theft is, is something to be careful of because not all po policies cover theft, and many, in fact, exclude it. If you have a policy that covers theft, you should make sure that you also have an insurance partner. Uh, who has a dedicated team of investigators to help you recover that stolen cargo um, because recovery of the stolen goods really reduces the impact of the theft claims on your operation. Aside from theft, um, warehouse losses also are creeping up in terms of exposure, um, and it's, it's likely a legacy of past supply chain issues, and especially related to fulfillment centers. Fulfillment centers are operations that during the pandemic were having trouble keeping up with contractual obligations around things like redelivery. Uh, redelivery times, and this resulted in a lot of claims. So, especially when it was related to you know seasonal shipments that are tied to stuff like toys or Christmas cards that have to be delivered, you know, in, in certain months. Interesting. Uh, Any way shippers can sort of cope with this in, in in the meantime? Yeah, absolutely. Make sure that your insurance partner has a you know a transportation claims team that's dedicated just to transportation. You don't want adjusters who are working on workers' comp losses and property claims. You want them to really be subject matter experts in transportation. Not just that, but you want to make sure that that claim team has its own dedicated group of internal and external partners. And I'm talking about folks like transportation lawyers, transportation solvers, uh, transportation surveyors, cargo loss investigators. Those folks should also 
uh, be subject matter experts in transportation. And then make sure that that whole operation, both the claims adjusters and their dedicated internal and external partners are nationwide in scope, right? Not just regional because cargo losses and lawsuits related to transportation happen just like transportation does countrywide. So you really need a true specialist uh, when the unexpected happens. What you don't want is an insurance partner uh, who is a jack of all trades and a master of none, right? And the good news is, I'm glad to share with you that Travelers in the Marine Claim is the master of one. We understand your business and we specialize only in transportation losses. And we have a dedicated national team that's unrivaled in the industry. Well, Craig, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing some insights on what we got to watch out for. Appreciate your time. That was great to be here. Thank you. Take it easy. All right. Send us the hard stuff. That's what Donovan Logistics says. When you run into that early challenging logistics nightmare that keeps you up at night, call the good folks over at Donovan. They make headaches disappear. Visit them at Donovan.com. All right. Let's read a little strap work before we talk to Lee. Let's take a look. Jeff's got an entire tree here. Delaney Moore, she says, it would have taken a few loads to move the whole tree if it were cut up. Huge cost savings. She's dragging the tree. Country people doing country things. <laughs> Andrew Salazar says, LOL, I've done this before. Andrew. Uh, Anna Stone says, I give it a tree out of 10. Hayden Alred says, oh, nice. I haven't seen the Eco Street Sweepers in action. Paul McClellan, 10 out of 10. And the town or country should pay him for street sweeping duties. Charles Gracie, giving a whole new meaning to going green and street sweeping. You guys like that street sweeping joke. Kurt Schaefer, he had the best one. He said, would try this at another branch, but I doubt the driver has his logs in order. That just keeps going on and on. Let's take a let's talk to Lee Glasgow. He's a senior analyst of transportation and logistics at Bloomberg Intelligence. I don't know if he's ever dragged a tree behind his car, though. Lee, you ever you ever do something like that? No, I've, I've never really dragged anything behind my car. But there were some great puns there. Uh, as someone who writes a lot for a living, I, I really appreciated some of those puns. So that, that was some good stuff. Oh. <laughs> well, Lee, where are you? Are you you're you're a New York guy, aren't you? You sitting in New York right now? I am. I straddle New York, New Jersey. Uh, so I am based out of our Princeton office, but I find myself in our Manhattan office many times. Uh, I am at my home office today uh, in, in, in sunny New Jersey. Um, but yeah, I, I, I straddle both offices, uh, but I spend most of my time in our Princeton office when, when, I'm, uh, when I'm down there. You know, it's no secret that Bloomberg has been a big inspiration to freight waves, especially the model of the way you do things. And it always gets me curious when I hear Craig say that. Like, what goes on over at Bloomberg? What kind of snacks do you guys have over there? What's the office like? Uh, the offices are fantastic. Um, you know, that you go in, especially the, the one in Lexington, because that is our, you know, our global headquarters. Uh, all our regional headquarters are, are really impressive offices. Uh, we just... Uh, Gosh, it's got to be five years now. They opened up a, a London office and it won a lot of praise for, you know, how sustainable it is. And uh, it's got a really cool staircase that circles up through the whole building. I think it's a six or seven story building. So it's a pretty cool thing to to see. But in New York, uh, you know, we have obviously our TV and radio studios there. Um, so, you know, you have that sexy vibe of, uh, of the media operations uh, and, you know, we just uh, they, they've always liked to, you know, have an area that people congregate in uh, at the at the main office in Lexington in New York. That everyone has to go through the sixth floor. That's where we have our canteen. So you can get coffee, snacks, soda, 
and, and, and other things to eat. And it's an area for you know employees to congregate. And it's just an opportunity for collaboration. And, and really, Bloomberg as an organization is uh, huge into collaboration. You know, uh, I'm collaborating constantly uh, with not only the people that I work with in my department, but uh, across departments and across regions. So, um, you know, that's what's kept me there for so long. I've been there for about 12 years now, um, and, and it's been a fun ride so far. Do you have a favorite story from your time there? Like, what what was the most exciting thing that you've covered, or you're like, this is my moment. Uh, that's an interesting question. I mean, there's there's probably multiple answers. Um, you know, within my peers, uh, unfortunately, the freight market is not the sexiest market. It's not you know the cons- the consumer market or tech or pharma. Uh, but you know, the one good thing about the supply chain uh, constraints uh, during the pandemic. Uh, if there was a bright spot on the pandemic, it was all of a sudden people really started to care about freight, which I think is something that's gotten a lot stickier uh, since we're, we've we've supply chains have begun to normalize. You know, there's still a real a big interest in supply chains in freight markets. You know, because of the whether it's inflationary or deflationary impact uh, on a lot of shippers and how you know the supply chains really touch not only everybody, but every company. Well, you know, and no, I mean, this is very topical. I mean, what's going on with SVB and what happened with Freight Tech, what's going on with the banks. In fact, like just about two hours ago, some guy just tried to just rob the bank across the street here with a rifle. Everyone's making runs on the bank. What is going oh on? What is going on in that space? Should we be concerned, especially in the context of freight? Is this dominoes? Is this, is this going to escalate? Will it impact M&A? Um, you know, I, I'm not a bank analyst, but what I can say is that, you know, SVB obviously had a specific kind of customer. Uh, their customer was the venture capitalists, uh, PE startup companies. Um, and, you know, the, the the issues that are going on there could impact those markets. So, you know, obviously, as you guys know, there's a lot of uh, tech startups within the within the freight uh, uh, in the freight world. You know, those startups might struggle a little more to to, to find funding, um, and you know, so, so you might see maybe a slow up of that, and that that slowdown also would obviously be impacted by the economy and higher rates uh, because you know the cost of borrowing capital has been increasing with the Fed raising uh, interest rates. Um, so I think that's the, the ma- major issue. You know, you had, uh, you know, over the weekend, UBS announced that they're going to buy, you know, Credit Suisse, which is, you know, two huge global banks. Um, you know, uh, some of the things that the regulators are doing here and abroad, or I think are shoring up uh, the financial system uh, to, to really uh, limit, you know, any further um, collapses or failures um, that, you know, you might see in the headlines. It might be just, you know, very here or there kind of issues that you're seeing versus uh, a systemic widespread uh, problem. Interesting. Well, let's start positive. Is there anything that you like that you're seeing in this space or, or in your coverage of, of what's happening right now? Is there, is there hope? Is there hope? Yeah, there's always hope. There's, it's, life, is, life is about cycles, right? Um, you know, in the truckload space, I don't need to tell a lot of your viewers, uh, but, you know, obviously in the spot market, it's tough times. Uh, you know, too much capacity came into the business, uh, and now that capacity is working its way out because there's just not nearly enough demand because the markets are normalizing. You know, you, it the spot market has always been volatile, 
um, you know, it seems like the cycles are getting shorter and more severe. Um, you know, that that is not necessarily a, a good thing for the participants that are involved in it, uh, whether you're buying freight, uh, you know, services or you're operating as, as a freight operator, because, you know, you want consistency. You want to be able to say, well, I need to earn a certain return on invested capital, not only to reinvest in my business or maybe even possibly grow my business, but just to maintain your business. And the volatility that we've seen over the last three years is not conducive, uh, you know, for anyone to really plan for the future uh, because we don't know what, uh, you know, what the world's going to bring in, in, in the coming months. You know, obviously, it's a lot going to have to do with the economy. A lot's going to have to do with inflation. I think the good news on the inflation front is that the financial issues that we're seeing might have the impact of slowing down the overall economy and might reduce the amount that the Fed has to further increase rates. Um, you know, most folks were, were, were thinking a, a March and May 25 basis point increase in, in, the, in rates. I think that, you know, consensus seems to be coming down where you might see 25 basis points uh, rise in March and maybe hold for a while, uh, um, you know, and see how the, 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 the kind of uh, the ripple effect from these financial uh, issues that we're seeing in the marketplace are going to impact overall demand. Because at the end of the day, if capital is tighter because of, you know, more banks are going to be, you know, scrutinizing their loans maybe a little more, they might be reducing their risk profile, that's going to slow up the overall economy. Now, Lee, uh, you're a man about town. I saw you over in Vegas. You were hanging out with this uh, this robot dog from Boston Dynamics. It didn't it didn't it didn't bite you or, or injure you. But no. what are what are people saying out there on the conference scene? What are what are you hearing? What uh what is sort of the zeitgeist of the moment? I mean, the reality is is there's a, not not to sound uh, droll, but there, there's just a lot of uncertainty in the market. Yeah. I mean, there's just, people just don't know what to think about the economy. People don't know what to think about rates. Um, you know, you, you know, a lot of like on the shipper side, you know, they have whiplash. You know, if you're uh, if you're shipping uh, ocean containers, you're paying ten to thirteen thousand dollars a container. Now you're paying less than eight eighteen hundred dollars a container. Um, and we're getting closer to 2018, 2019 levels. That's still slightly ahead of it. So, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, if you're a shipper, uh, you're you're just really trying to cope with the new normal, uh, and if you're a, a capacity provider, you're really focusing on on the cost side of your business and trying to really properly source your network to meet the new demand. And when I say new demand, you know, because the reality is is that you know obviously GDP is slowing, so the, the economy is slowing. Uh, that's going to you know impact the way people think and do. You know, you saw FedEx, they've announced layoffs. Um, you know, one might argue FedEx was maybe a little more bloated than its, uh, its competitors even, even before the downturn. Uh, so this might be, you know, something that was, uh, you know, needed maybe even earlier. Uh, but you're seeing, you know, companies like this morning, Amazon announced, uh, I think it was 9,000 people that they plan on laying off in their corporate offices, um, you know, just because a lot of these companies, they overhired during the pandemic because it was so hard to find talent that they just gobbled up any party that they could, hoping that, you know, they could use them. And, you know, now when in a, in a lower demand environment, you're seeing, um, you know, you're seeing less of that. Um, you know, generally speaking, you know, uh, I was at a healthcare conference last week in Philadelphia. 
you know, some shippers uh, started talking about concerns over, you know, the UPS Teamster labor negotiations uh, and, and maybe, you know, trying to find alternatives for some freight just to make sure that, you know, they don't have any issues uh, if any labor disputes uh, might come of it. You know, uh, the Teamster contract with UPS expires, I believe, July 31st. Uh, and, you know, uh, there's a lot of unknowns. And, you know, I don't think there's a high probability of an actual strike, but people are just preparing their networks just in case. Lee, where is the best place for a conference? Where is the best place in a, for a conference? Sure, Conference you City. Know, what's the best one? So are, are we talking to 53-year-old Lee or 22-year-old Lee? There's I know. It's like, so, uh, it is. It's different, right? Like when I used to go to conference in my 20s, it was it was much different. Now I'm like, by I do like the Irish goodbye by like 8 o'clock now. And I'm, I'm in the hotel yeah, room. Yeah, so like I was excited to get back to Vegas. And once I was there, I was like, oh, my God, I'm too old for Vegas. Uh you know, something I really like Austin. I think Austin. it's it's a great place because it's uh, it's far enough, but it's not too far. Um, it's a lively city. They got great food. I'm a huge barbecue fan. So, you know, New Jersey, um, you know, I, I might get some shade for this, but you really can't find fantastic barbecue. Uh, but, you know, in Texas and, and in the South, I, I tend to find that the, the barbecue is, is is usually better and, and, and more available. Uh, I guess it's probably a good thing for my waistline that it's not more available. But, you know, I like Austin. I like the music scene. I think it's got a, a funky vibe and it's it's a nice place because it it's kind of um, in the in midpoint for a lot of people. So I think a lot of people, whether you're on the West Coast or East Coast or in Chicago, you can all get there. Can't disagree, Lee. Thank you so much for coming on the show. People want to find you on Twitter or LinkedIn or wherever. Where do they say where do I send them to you? Yeah. Yeah, so Twitter, I'm like, you know, dying to get your kind of following there. Uh, but uh, Logistics Lee, at Logistics Lee is my Twitter handle. Also, you can hook up with me on LinkedIn. Um, and, you know, I love meeting people within the uh, freight transportation uh, industry. Uh, you know, I love speaking with them because, you know, they help uh, make my research a lot more uh, insightful and deeper. Well, hey, and it already is pretty deep already. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Lee. Thank Appreciate you. your time. Take care. Be well. Take it easy. All right. All right, we got a we got a couple couple guests in studio, a couple gentlemen in studio. Let's say hi to them. What's up, guys? Uh, hey, what's going on? <laughs> Who's here? Who's here with me? Well, Carlos, CEO of Spartan Carrier Group, and Tim Perkins, the Chief Commercial Officer. Where'd you guys come in from today? Uh, Texas. Yep, and I drove up from Cedartown, Georgia. Okay, so I was just talking to Lee Glasgow from Bloomberg, and I asked him where the best conference location is, and he said Austin, Texas. Would you agree? I'd say it's a fantastic spot to be. Uh, there's so much stuff to do out there. All right. Well, Tim, what are you? Where's your conference pick location? Honestly, there's been a lot. Future freight? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. DFW, but we've had uh, really good at uh, CSCMP Edge in Orlando and Nashville recently that have been really good turnout. So we're excited to be uh, exhibiting and sponsors this year uh, in Orlando for them. Now, Carlos, last time I had you on, you came in virtually, so I got to go in your office, and you had like that big suit of armor. But that was about a year ago, so people didn't catch that show. What does Spartan do? So Spartan, we're a conglomerate of 14 companies, uh, the main one being the carrier. We're a dedicated asset-based carrier. We're one of 12 carriers that support Toyota motor manufacturing in North America. There's 750,000 carriers in North America, so it'll be one of 12 is a prestigious opportunity. And the rest of our companies support that endeavor from, from a CDL driver training school to a 3PL solutioning uh, brokerage firm. We have an athletic division, a marketing firm. We do all things transportation, all things supply chain and logistics. Now, and before specialty. you came on air, Tim messaged me and said you guys had a, a big announcement, something cool happened just recently. Tim, what, what was that? 
Yeah, so like Carlos said, we, we opened up, I think, 13, 14 LLCs when we started. Uh, we didn't have any assets. And so we've been growing like crazy, a lot of assets purchased. And so we we're trying to find a true identity um, because we were doing so many things in supply chain. So um, our LinkedIn branding, a lot of our branding is going to be changing to Spartan Carrier Group, which is the organization we've had running for our dedicated trucking division. Um, but now that is going to be our primary focus. So other solutions and, and services are still going to happen. Um, but our core is really going to be transportation, which is the heart core of our business already. We, we left corporate America a few years ago. And in less than two years, we've gone from zero dollars over fifty million dollars in, in gross revenue just by the sheer determination of our team. Zero VC funding. It's all homegrown. It's all because of that helmet that you guys brought with you. I think so. Yeah. Well, that's yours, actually. actually as a matter of fact, yeah. that is mine. That, that is, is yours. yours. Right. yours Hold on here. Let's trade. I got some hats for you guys. Walk right. <laughs> what do you walk right here? I'll trade with you. I'll give you guys some hats for the Spartan helmet. I need no it more. Shirt. As you can see, I need more decorations on this. Uh, <laughs> On this beautiful desk. This actually fits. Be careful, it's short. Okay, here, here's some hats for you guys. Here's a, a hat for you. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Here's a, here's a hat for you. Just got a stand for you. Oh, sure. stand to, okay, jump back over your seats. I'll talk to you. <laughs> Is this thing, will this thing fit? On my yeah, bus? yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll finish the interview <laughs> with, the, uh, with the helmet on. Hi, everybody. Spartan 5 Freight. All right, you posted on, let's talk philosophy while I have this helmet on, because Spartans were obviously the best philosophers. You posted, don't be afraid to pivot when things aren't working out. What is the biggest pivot that Spartan has had to make, Carlos? Oh, jeez. Ah, that's fantastic. So <laughs> right after the pandemic, we saw that the automotive sector was on rebound. Um, there was a semiconductor shortage along with other parts and components. And staggering up or getting up the par with volumes was something that we knew that we would struggle from from an industry. So we had to diversify what we were doing at the time in order to be able to generate enough revenue to continue to purchase assets. That's why we built the CDL driver training school. And at the same time that we built that, we launched an athletic product division so that we could offset some of our revenue opportunities. We knew that volumes wouldn't be there to sustain the trucking capacity at that very moment. So I still needed to buy trucks, still needed to buy trailers. Uh, quick shout out to Metro Trailer Leasing who sponsored us and allowed us to take over, I think it's 150 trailers yep. with no money down. But to answer your question, diversifying what we did in order to adjust to market conditions to ensure that we continue to grow. Wow. Yep. Tim, would you agree? Is, is, have you made your own personal pivots? Uh, personal, of course, all the time. I got four kids and they're constantly making me pivot like crazy all the time. But um, yeah, we've had some unique uh, things come up in the last two years from trying to find the right factoring company to obviously hiring drivers in a tough market. But when you're a young MC, uh, you don't have investors, uh, you, have, you just get hit in the mouth a lot. You can't walk into a bank and been six months old and try to buy a truck. And so uh, how we've been able to find the strategic partnerships that we have that have allowed us to grow organically, uh, definitely been a blessing. But in that, there was a lot of a lot of failure, a lot of having to get in the pothole, get back up. And that's why um, we're not scared to fail because we get to learn from it. Just fail fast. Yeah, I love it. Fast. I love it. Big ups for that. Another, another comment you made that really resonated with me, Carlos, was delete everything in your mind that isn't moving you forward. And I want to see how this applies to freight. But for me personally, part of my journey is going into rehab for alcoholism and depression, right? And that is a big philosophy that when I got out of there, I had a counselor and he was like, look, you can't harp on negative stuff. So I stopped doing things like, you know, trolling people online. It's little things like getting your, your mind out of this negative stuff that doesn't get you to that next step. Talk a little bit about what that means to you. Well, uh, on, a, on a, a much deeper level, a spiritual level, uh, my pastor says it best at his church when he comes out and he says, 
if you do the things that you're supposed to be doing, you can't do what you're not supposed to be doing, right? <laughs> so if you start filling your head up with all the negative things that, that are around you, it's easier for you to be dragged down by them than for you to continue to stay focused on your mission. If you're hyper-focused on your mission, then you can't falter to the left or to the right. You're focused on what you need to be doing, and it allows you to be a lot, a lot more efficient. That makes sense. Oh, yeah, it absolutely does make sense. Another thing you said was to control your emotions. That can be tough in this business, man. People get pissed off all the time. Everyone's looking for their freight. Everyone's screaming. Why is that important? Well, it's super important because today's problem is a temporary issue. You don't want to create permanent problems uh, due to a temporary situation. So controlling your emotions is the first step in maturity. Um, you can't let things rouse and dazzle you. I was in the military, retired after four combat tours. And the best leaders, the ones that I chose to emulate, were the ones that were calm under fire. They, they were able to maintain their confidence, their composed mind. They could strategically attack because they knew that the situation was a temporary one. And they didn't want to cause something that was going to cause us to, to lose in, in a permanent state. Yep. You agree, Tim? How, how do you keep yourself cool? Well, first of all, I do think there's a, a big separation in passion versus emotion. I think you can be strongly passionate about something but not have to be emotional. And so I think 100% uh, being able to keep your, emotion, your emotions uh, intact, I think that's, that's definitely a key to success for sure. Well, it sounds like you guys are pretty successful because you posted that you're well capitalized in acquisition mode. And I got to ask you are, you, for, are you looking for assets? Are you looking for companies? Is now a good time to get assets? A lot of people are, you know, they start running scared in environments like this. Well, it's a, it's a fantastic question. Uh, right now, the reason why we're not running scared is we've had the fortune of, of landing uh, contacts or contracts with companies like Toyota. Toyota's a fantastic customer. They take care of their people. And freight is not volatile. They also offer a surcharge, fuel surcharge programs, so that reduces even more the volatility of the market. If, if fuel goes up, you're still fine. Um, I think that right now at this very moment in time, there's a lot of smaller companies that didn't have access to those larger type contracts, and they're struggling. They're struggling, as you can tell, by the, the rates on the spot market have dropped significantly, and people got mortgages. They have trucks that they purchased. They're on, on loans that they can't necessarily pay. And we think it's a good opportunity for us to try to take on that capacity. We could purchase smaller trucking companies, mid-sized trucking companies, and, and, and bring them to the promised land of having some of these national contracts, which will help feed their families. Yep. So that, that's really the, the gist of that, where we're looking at expansion through acquisition, not just organic growth. Tim, yep. how do you get a company like Toyota to buy into such a young MC? Oh man, that, that, that was definitely one of the biggest, uh, we've always had that as a goal, but it came earlier than we thought it would come. Um, but actually with all industries, I think when, when service levels drops, it gives people a chance to get in there and show people what you can do. And so with um, Carlos and his team that a lot of them uh, was with Toyota prior, it had a built-in relationship, didn't make it come easy. There was a lot of conversations that we had to have to get that override, but having a good customer service, being transparent, um, I think was a big key of it. And I think that uh, as soon as service levels drop in any industry, that's when the people that are constantly being told no and you fail and you fail and you call and gatekeepers are ever, but all of a sudden that little glimpse of hope happens and uh, we came in there and we knocked it out. And so now we're, we're bidding on a lot more business from Toyota and we expect to grow a lot more here in the next quarter or two. But I'll tell you, just to be honest, one caveat to that, uh, it, there's a lot of strategy, there's a lot of discipline, we got a lot of, a lot of team members that have made this possible. But honest to God, it doesn't make logical sense. For us, it's a God thing. Like God's at the center of our life. 
He's at the center of everything that we do, and therefore we've been blessed beyond measure because it didn't make logical sense for a small up-and-coming company to be able to lock down a Fortune 10 client and the largest automobile manufacturer in the world. I mean, hey, proof's in the pudding, man. You guys, are, you guys are doing a great job. You must be really smart. You must be so smart, it's time to test your intelligence. In what the trivia? Oh, man. I got five questions for you guys. They're multiple choice. Raise your hand when you know the answer, and I'll call on you. Is there any lifelines? Uh, <laughs> you, you can phone Carlo. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right, you guys ready? Yep, yes. Okay, what NFL team was the first one to play a Super Bowl in their home stadium? Was it Tampa Bay, LA Rams, New England Patriots, or the Miami Dolphins? Miami Dolphins. What do you say, Carlos? Because he was wrong. Oh, mm. oh he's wrong. New England, I guess. New England wins a lot. New England? I'll give you, I was going to give you a hint. You were happy. Tom Brady played for them, but no, it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, oh man. A couple of years ago. It's all right, though. You're all tied. No one has taken the lead yet. And I think that, uh, I think this is a, a good Carlos question. Carlos, or both of you, what company became the first publicly traded U.S. corporation worth $2 trillion in 2020? Was it Spartan, <laughs> Tesla, Amazon, Apple, or Facebook? Oh. oh, he's got four big guys, Dave. Could, be. I think it's it Amazon, man. Is there, is there Apple or Amazon? Amazon, actually, that's when their highest stock ever has like 2,500 bucks a share, so I bet that was probably it. First answer, Amazon. <laughs> if I get First wrong, you Carlos is wrong. <laughs> no. All right, well, that's Apple. It's Apple. Tim's got a point. Tim's got a point for Apple. <laughs> You guys use all those products? When is uh, when Spartan going to be in that, that tr $3 trillion range? Oh, man. It's, it's hard to tell. <laughs> hard to tell. Probably sooner now than we're in the helmet, though. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. First broadcast in 1992. What show is the longest-running MTV series? Is it Beavis and Butthead, The Real World, TRL, or Singled Out? I know what TRL is, but I don't know. Singled out, Beavis and Butthead. And maybe I apologize for saying and admitting that I've watched that in the past, <laughs> my former life. Wait, which one was it? <laughs> Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and Butthead's a good one, but it's not the longest running one. It was the real world. Oh, the no. real world where they put a bunch of strangers in a house. Now, if you right. heard like logistics real world, who would you not want put in the house with you? Like the company? Or person. Oh, okay. I can't do that. I can't do that. Control your emotions, Dave. Yeah. Control your emotions. I know. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Listen, I'll be honest. I wasn't prepared. Dude has got me, man. He's got me. It's embarrassing. <laughs> All right. In 2004, Nike developed a fundraising campaign by selling trendy yellow rubber bracelets, displaying what phrase? Just do it. No fear. What the f? Or live strong. Just do it. Live strong. Yeah, Tim's got another Finally. point. Jeez. Tim's got two points, by the way, scoreboard operator. All right, here's a chance. This is for all the points. Whoever gets this right wins. What is the seven-day truckload spot rate average according to Sonar? Is it 214, 234, 264, or 294? 234. Oh, Tim is right! That, oh, that, was Carlos. That, 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 oh, was that was Carlos. That was Carlos. Carlos was right. Yep. Carlos won. He just came back and took <laughs> the winning <laughs> questions. Carlos, you're wicked smart, dude. I'm just watching the right stuff. 
<laughs> so guys, I have a question for you. So a buddy of mine online, right? He posted this picture. So I have a picture from Molson. We already looked at this chart. You already showed the chart? We already said the answer. Show that sonar chart. There we go. All right, we got Molson here. So he says, show Molson, guys. Show me Molson. Show me that parking lot with the truck, please. Thank you. Okay, so my buddy here, he owns a toy company. And he had a truck park in his lot, and he had a question for the community. He said, how do I monetize this? And there were a lot of different opinions. Some people said, uh, this isn't a lot lizard deal. Some people said, put out a concession stand. Some people said, just leave them park there, because there's only one parking spot for every 11 truck drivers. But you guys are very smart businessmen. What would you do in a situation like this? Okay, can we see that picture? It's very yeah, small. Yeah, it's just a truck trying to park in his lot overnight. Also, how do you monetize the actual truck parking spot? Yeah, do you? Do you just let them park there? Would you monetize it? What kind of ideas would you have from Molson? That's a good question. I think at first look, what I would do is if you look at the square footage of the area, drivers got to eat. They could either fuel, but there's not a lot of density of people there, right? It's a small, maybe a food truck, man. I'd set up a food truck. <laughs> side a food business. truck out there? Yeah, it doesn't take up any space, and it, it'll monetize a little bit. Maybe food truck. You can't go wrong with a food truck anywhere, nope. man. Nope. T-shirts? You can sell Spartan helmets back there. Yeah, awesome. that'd be awesome. <laughs> I don't know. You guys can't, like, feel this on air. This is like a real helmet. This thing's, like, heavy. It's hurting the top of my cranium. It's so heavy. I love it, though. Fantastic. Well, we're always having a good time with you, man. We're, we're strong supporters. We're fans. We are growing, and we're thankful for the community out there. We've been able to grow. Social media has really been our friend. Um, a lot of trucking companies don't really get into social media. They're still stuck on the old trends. Um, we believe that we could reach a, a large community and maybe make a difference. Our goal is to be a household name in the next seven years. So everything that we there? do is towards that. How are you going to get to be that household name? How, how are we going to get there? Through expansion, through acquisition, through market sharing, looking at some of the other uh, niche markets. So right now we're heavily invested in automotive manufacturing support, but we also deal with retailers. Uh, WSS is one of our, our clients. Uh, they were just purchased by Foot Locker. So interestingly enough, shoe manufacturing is equal to automotive transportation spend, which is crazy to me. Americans love shoes. I used to, that was my first account was, uh, was Reebok when I was with FedEx Trade Networks. Total Greenhorn didn't know what I was doing. What do they do? They put me on <laughs> Reebok Air Freight. <laughs> I don't even know any of this stuff, man. It's a brand new big account, but you know, this, this is free. Where are you guys off to next? We got about a minute left. Where are you headed after here? Probably go strategize some more, uh, probably find somewhere to eat lunch. But yeah, we just have so much coming up. And, you know, I'm in Texas a good bit, but we don't get a lot of one-on-one -on -one time together because running a business is just chaotic. So um, me and him finally get some good long time to strategize and figure out what we're doing next. Yeah, we, we've got a few bids out there right now. We're, we're sure to win a significant piece of that. Our goal is to have doubled our size this year. And we're almost there. We've already submitted all our pricing to a few of the different uh, companies out there. So if we win those bids, we're well on our way. Yep. Well, very, very cool. People who want to learn more, they want to connect with you guys, they want to follow the company, where do I send them to? www.spartancarriergroup.com. SpartanCarriergroup.com. Yep. I was about to say gone wrong. Where did, even, where did that even come from? Guys, thank you so much for the helmet. Thank you, everyone, for watching the show today. Find What the Truck, wherever you get your podcasts, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You want to watch this thing, look us up on... Freightwaves YouTube, you can subscribe there or tv.freightwaves.com. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner, that's D O N E R. We'll be back on Wednesday with Freightwaves Rachel Premack. We got Alan Adler, we got Reliance Partners, Brian Runnels, and back the truck up Justin Martin. Thank you all for the show. Take care. Don't be a stranger.